thanks for downloading this BGSM podcast. My name is Liam West. I'm a junior doctor in the Oxford Deanery and I'm a member of the BGSM editorial team. I'm excited to introduce my guest today, who I'm sure is well known to many of you, Professor Roald Barr. He's a former professional volleyballer and now spends his time working for Aspatar in Doha and the Oslo Sports Trauma Research Centre and the IOC. So you've been talking this week about return to play and risk. What are the typical return to play frameworks that we've been using uh, previously in sports medicine? Well, um, when I first started working as a, as a young doctor um, and going to the sports medicine courses, reading the textbooks, um, I realized that the criteria that we were using were not telling the whole story so to speak, because what the, what the textbooks say is that you should have your player have pain-free range of motion, full strength, there should be no swelling, they should be able to perform functional tests to show that there are no problems with doing the things they need to do in the sport. The injury should be anatomically healed so a fracture should be healed, a ligament injury should be healed, a muscle tear should be healed, that sort of thing. And of course, the, it, it was also on this list of criteria, there was also always um, a factor related to the mental preparedness of the athlete that he or she should have the confidence needed to go back and play in the sport. Now, these criteria, as good as they may sound, um, it became clear to me after a while that, well, I'm putting players back before the ligament is healed. But there was nothing about that in the textbooks. Um, we are also maybe sometimes holding back athletes, uh, even if the criteria are met. So again, there was, a, in my mind, a conflict between what I'd read, what I'd heard, and what I was doing. And at times I felt um, less than confident uh, because it didn't really feel like I was doing my job properly as a doctor. If I sent somebody with an ankle sprain back to play volleyball after two days, knowing that A, the ligament had not healed, B, there was still, still swelling and it probably would be more swelling after he played the game, and he wasn't, prob- the player probably wasn't fully confident that his ankle uh, was, was, was 100% fit to play. Yet, using a tape, for instance, I felt pretty confident that he wouldn't suffer a re-injury. Um, and the more I learned about how exercise is good for ligament healing and the healing of other t- uh, tissues, I didn't really feel that bad having him active um, as an athlete, in other words, playing as an athlete. Uh, I didn't really think that that was going to affect outcome in the long run for this athlete. So I was struggling with this for many years that uh, I didn't really feel like a real doctor. uh, And I felt that there must be other factors that come into play here, but but nobody had ever put them down on paper, at least not to my knowledge. Um, So... In recent years, um, more and more uh, people have started talking about these issues in in conferences. And it's actually a Canadian group led by 
Gordon Matheson, uh, Winnie Moibisa, uh, Ian Schreier, uh, Creighton, uh, who published a paper in 2010, which I believe is really a landmark paper in this uh, in this field, and I would encourage uh, everyone to to uh, to read that paper, which is a paper on uh, to help us make uh, decisions related to return to play, and which also acknowledges that there are many other factors that come into play when you make return to play decisions, not just the medical factors which we were taught about in medical school. So the, the, the Creighton model uh, includes, of course, the medical factors. So there's a difference between a fracture and a ligament. Uh, it's uh, about the patient's medical history. It's about the lab tests. It's about uh, uh, the signs and symptoms and findings. Uh, uh, perhaps even imaging would come into play. Uh, certainly with the fracture, for instance, that would be the case. So that's all good. But what this model do does is it adds two more steps. So the first of those steps is uh, the sport risk modifiers. So this relates to understanding and knowing the sport. So, and, and, and the important thing there is then, as a sports physician, you need to know and understand the sports that the athletes you're dealing with are playing. So let's, for instance, take the case of an ankle sprain. It's obviously, it will be different. Your, con your considerations will be different if your athlete is a volleyball player or if he is a rower. So the risk in rowing is pretty much zero uh, for a re-injury, whereas the risk as a volleyball player is much, much higher if you have a, a recent uh, ankle sprain. But it also, you have to understand the position, the player, uh, the demands of the position. Is it a goalie or is it an outfielder or what, what's, what are the demands of his port? Um, and what is the competitive level that he's uh, going to compete at. Uh, so understanding the setting the athlete will be put back to is, is important. And what this does is uh, perhaps in some way adjust the level of risk. So it's this, and, and, and this is why this, this, um, this group of factors has been, has been termed uh, the sport risk modifiers. And then the, the, the third and, and, and final uh, part of the, of the model is uh, what's called decision modifiers. Uh, and these are factors that I did not appreciate at all uh, and, and which were never taught in medical school. And that is that we are actually practicing medicine in a sports environment. And there are many pressures in that environment uh, and factors in that environment which can change the way uh, you, um, you make your uh, return to play decision. This could include, uh, and, and yet still, so, so it's about recognizing these pressures on the other side, so you know that you're, you're aware that they are there when you make this, these decisions. Um, and they also may make you, as well as the athlete, more or less likely to decide that you're going to play this game. So take, to take the most obvious example, let's say you have a 35-year-old uh, athlete who's trained for eight years for the Olympics. It's the day before the final game, and he or she can win a gold medal. 
obviously the level of risk that would be acceptable in a setting like that would be very, very different if this were just an everyday game uh, three months before the Olympics, where the Olympics three months away is the most important event of his life, the one he's trained for, uh, and where you would not, the athlete, you, the team, everyone uh, surrounding the athlete, uh, there would be pressure to not play instead of to play. So basically, it's about recognizing that there are more factors that come into play when you make a return to play decision than just the medical factors. It is also about understanding the sport. So if you're going to be a sports physician, that means you do have to understand the sport. And it's about understanding all the pressures that surround the athlete in the competitive environment uh, so that you're aware of them. You and your patient are aware of them when you make your decision. And I think that, the, so, so this, this, this process has, has, has taught me much, this model has taught me much. Uh, but it's also reminded me that it is very important that as a doctor, I understand where I stand in this environment. Most people think that sports and health are more or less synonymous. Because you look at this healthy athlete, right? So you think this, the, the, the values that come into play in sports and come into play in, in, in health uh, are, are very similar. Whereas in fact they're not. Because sport is about winning. It's about elitism. And health is about other values. Uh, and there is a conflict, in fact, between these two. And if you're a member of a team as a, as a physician, that means that everybody else will be thinking about winning. And your job is the care of the athlete. So you have to place your feet firmly within a value set that is different from this value set that is focused on winning. Um, and in, in many ways, I could, I could sum this up in a very, very short sentence, and that is, you have to remember that you are a doctor and you cannot be a fan of the player or the team at the same time. Um, so something that's starting to resonate through there, we were talking, you mentioned briefly, is about uh, levels of risk. Um, and if we're not getting people sending them back with no swelling uh, and things like that, are we moving away from a return to play where it's, it's, it's completely criterion-based to saying that we need to accept risk when we're returning athletes back to performance? Well, basically, playing sport in itself is a risk. So if you do play sport, there is a risk of injury. Uh, and if you are risk-averse, you are not going to become a downhill skier, even if you enjoy skiing and even if you're good at it. Because if you're standing at the top of the downhill race course in the Olympics, um, you're very much aware that there's a, there's a risk involved, uh, involved in, in, in playing this sport. So my point is, there is risk involved in sport. And whether that risk is acceptable or not is a decision that you make as an athlete, hopefully an informed decision, 
usually very well-informed decision because you've played the sport your entire life, you've seen the injuries others have had, and you may have had some yourself as well. So in making, in, in making this decision and having the conversation with the athlete, uh, he or she will be aware of the inherent risks of the sport, um, and through, uh, through um, uh, a process that you, that you in, in many ways resembles that uh, which you do in science with informed consent, um, I think my role is to inform the athlete of, well, this is what I think your level of risk is if we do this at this time. Um, and uh, I think what we can do is sometimes we can modify that risk. Uh, we can use taping, bracing, uh, modify training, uh, and, 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 and try to, to reduce that risk to what is an acceptable level. But because there's no situation where there's no risk in sport, it's always, always, even if you're healthy or injured, doesn't really change things. It's, it's about what is the acceptable level of risk. That's great. Um, well, that leads me to say thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today, Professor Barr. My pleasure. So you've been listening to a BGSM podcast with Professor Roald Barr, and it was recorded at the IOC Advanced Team Physician course in Doha. The next IOC course will actually be held in Cape Town in November 2016, so look out for that. The IOC also run a sports medicine and sports nutrition diploma. There's actually a sports physiotherapy version in the pipeline. So just remember as well, you can follow BGSM on Google+, Facebook and Twitter with the handle at BGSM underscore BMJ. So as a listener, thanks for your time. Remember to not be a fan and look after your patients and I hope you have a physically active day.